Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redux Bucephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Denebriard Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you tonight by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. <laughs> I am your host, Parasite Steve, and with me, as always, is is nobody. Actually, nobody's here with me, but, uh, you, you know, of my co-hosts, but, so I'm co-host-less, but. I'm not alone. I'm not just here shrieking into the void and hoping it doesn't stare back. I am here with a a super cool guest for y'all. In fact, this week's guest is one of the first folks I befriended on this crazy author journey, as I call it. And I have to say, I'm truly ashamed it's taken me this long to toss her into the dark, disgusting pit of despair we call the brig. Aside from being... (laughs) <laughs> aside hey quiet down there it's not time for you to talk yet yeah yeah get down there in the darkness aside from being a total metal metalhead our guest is an insanely talented author of two novels way too many short story collections to name and the poetry collections as the sea turns red whispers from the apocalypse and the newly released hemlock and hellfire and as if that wasn't enough her work has also been adapted as episodes of a half dozen audio fiction podcasts down in the brig this week. It's Morgan Sylvia. Welcome to the show, Morgan. Thank you for having me. I just, I didn't know there were going to be like rats and like dead bodies and shit down here. Like, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, we, if we tell people these things up front, uh, they don't, they don't come on. Yeah. Got to read the fine print, I guess. <laughs> or just, uh, you know, trick you. You know, I said, you know, I believe I said something about there's like, you know, fresh cookies or something down there. And it's it's nice. Something about it being nice. It's not nice. It's the opposite of nice. But uh, hopefully you will uh, survive the evening as uh, at least long enough for us to ask you some questions about your your career as an author. So thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No problem. so you and I met, uh, I, I'm thinking it was probably like back around 2018. Um, we were both part of a group called the New England Speculative Writers. And that group uh, kind of went defunct after a little while. But um, I met some really cool people there. And I remember, uh, I think we met in person for the first time up in Portland at that conference, I believe. Yeah, that that's one, right. That's right. That they one. did do that. Uh, that one that year that was before the Corona, the year before the coronavirus fucked everything up. And, uh, oh, yeah. So kind of sucks because I was hoping that that was going to be an annual convention. It was pretty fun. Um, it was really fun. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, that was a uh, uh, Remy Flag put that together. He's been on the show. Chris Philbrook was there. He's been on the show. Yeah. So I'm happy uh, that you are coming on tonight. And uh, it was a really great group of people. And, uh, you know, a lot of you I'm still friends with today. And uh, it's been fun to see everybody's careers grow and blossom and all that good stuff. Um, but so I have to say um, the thing when I think Morgan Sylvia, for those who don't know, the main thing that I think about your writing is that whatever genre it is, which tends to be the darker stuff, you know, you write horror, you write some fantasy, you write, um, you know, f you know, all sorts of stuff that's like on that darker end of the spectrum. But mm -hmm. whatever you're doing, the focus of your writing seems to be on the language itself, you know, like the quality of prose. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you make it very clear that you are first and foremost a poet. Now, is that something that you would agree with, or, or what, what? What do you think? How do you feel about your own um, your own stuff? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I like I hear that a lot more from other people more than I'd set out to deliberately do that myself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's I am very picky about language and um, just the power of making the most out of the words that I have and and whatever the word count is and. Um, I think it goes back to some of the earlier pieces of advice that I got about writing, which was to incorporate the senses into everything you can do. So like I pay a lot of attention to like, you know, if I'm describing something, I want to describe the color and the smell and the sound, but I also just have this, this thing to where like the sentences have to have cadence. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's where the poet part comes in. And I think that probably goes way back to, when I thought I was going to be a songwriter someday, like the first poems I ever wrote were, I thought they were going to be song lyrics. Um, and then I eventually like, you know, my mid twenties dawned on me that, Hey, I'm actually not a singer. And these are poems. Like there's no music to them. They become poems. So um, I'm not a trained poet by any way, shape or form. Um, I could not tell you most of the, you know, official stand, you know, forms of poetry like this type of stanza that type of stanza i'm just very mm -hmm. free form free flowing with that um freestyle only i guess yeah. um but yeah like there's always something about like there has to be a certain rhythm um and cadence and flow um which comes into a lot of it comes into like i'm a very super nitpicky editor um mm -hmm. and i just like i just i go for that that rich language because that's that's also what I like to read and people tend to write what they like to read. Right. Um, I, you know, obviously I love horror. I love fantasy, but like, you know, good literary fiction. Yeah. I'm there. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that you, you brought up the music side of it because I think that that is um, that's, that's what I always think too. And uh, I, I always say there's, you know, there's always a, there's a music to language. And um, when you're, when you're, like, you know, I've edited things and I've told people like, okay, the reason why these couple of sentences don't really sound that good together is together is you have like too many of the same amount of like syllables in a sentence. Mm -hmm. And if you have one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, like it's starting to become not fun to read but if you had a one two three four one two three one two three four one two you know something like and it and that's what you're doing you're like writing music and it's the cadence like you said um that's really the perfect word um 
to describe it. And uh, yeah, that's that's you know that's music, that's poetry. It all you know, it's lyrics. It it all it all works together. It's all that same side of the coin, and it's it's interesting. I didn't know you were a lyric writer, and and I know you were um, into music and and heavy metal and stuff like that. And I wasn't sure. So you were in bands growing up. No, <laughs> I never was. Um, okay. I played guitar briefly and it was kind of one of those things where like I had the ear for it, but I did not have anything remotely as far as the fiddle physical coordination. I could not make my brain do two different things with two different parts of my body. Like I just did oh, not okay. have that part of it. And um, kind of realized that after a while, it's like, yeah, I have no, I have like the ear for it, but I had zero physical talent so i then decided that like i was going to get into sound engineering which brought me to going to school for recording engineering because like my next bright idea was like oh well you know i can do shit behind the scenes and i really enjoyed it um i you know i went to two different schools for that and i loved it and it actually proved really useful in that like when i ended up down the road doing um ux ui and some troubleshooting stuff like a lot of the stuff i learned um which applied to like what is called signal flow which is like basically from the guitar to the speakers like every little course um i used a lot of those principles in troubleshooting digital stuff um but no i was never in a band um i used to be able to sing um but like that basically the occasional karaoke moment was pretty much all, as far as i ever got with that um but yeah, uh, at some point it just kind of dawned on me that like, oh, I'm actually a writer because I'd always loved writing since I was a little kid. Um, some of the earliest things I wrote, like I said, like, you know, I started writing song lyrics when I was like second grade, something like that. So it nice. just kind of all eventually dawned on me that like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with all of this. And it sort of all came together. Interesting. So you were writing song lyrics at, at second grade. Wow. I still have, I don't know, you can't see my closet, but there's actually still an old Trapper Keeper. Oh, nice. Talk about retro shit. I still have an official <laughs> Trapper Keeper full of, like, I haven't looked at them in years. Probably make me cringe. But yeah, I still have some of them. Is there a uh, is there a unicorn or a tiger on that? I think there's a Pegasus keeper? on it, actually. Oh, Pegasus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. It's It's got to be one. It's either horse-based or it's it's a yeah. jungle, jungle cat. It's one of the two. Um, so very cool. So when you're writing, so these days, you know, when you're writing something that's not poetry, something that's a short story or novella, novel or something like that. So you're, you're saying that like, it's not something you're, you're thinking about that much other than, you know, it feels right. And you know, it needs that, that cadence as you're, as you're going through it, but you're not like striving for a specific end result, right? You're just kind of happy when you're happy is it is it that kind of a thing or are you really like okay i want this to sound i want to be able to yeah. sing this it's a little bit of both um i'm an obsessive editor and i go over my work again and again and again and again and again like um with longer works i'll probably do 20 30 edits like i'm very wow. Okay. Very detailed, but I think there is a little bit of background that comes into play with that, too, is that I also spent a lot of time doing obituaries and classified ads, which made you be very, very cautious of every word that you put in because they were, you know, charged by line and you'd right. have people that were like, oh, I can only afford this much. So you'd, I got used to like cramming as much information as I could into small spaces. So I think that comes into play. It just kind of like leered me off like long sentences that don't really necessarily 
need to be long when there's a lot of like, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of like blah words, like, you know, how that things like that, that I'm just like, I, I can do something better. Like with, I don't know. I don't really overthink it. It's just kind of, yeah, it just comes what's, out of me. What's your opinion of the word said? I, oh, as far as like a dialogue tag, yeah. I use it. I mean, I think like that, like, it's kind of one of those pieces of writing advice that like the intent is not to have like, you know, five pages of dialogue where everyone's like, he said, she said, he said, she said, like, <laughs> I think it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with the word, but if you're using it like 50 times within three pages, then you might want to like kind of go back and just fix it. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. Like that, that specific thing is a, uh, is a point of contention with certain people and um and you know some writers say like you know you know yes uh spam the word said uh use it a yeah. thousand times it's invisible and uh i don't know to me it's to me it's not invisible <laughs> like i get tired of it yeah um, yeah i mean funny. i i think it's one of those pieces of, of advice that like you know somebody meant well in saying it but like people mm. kind of just take it the wrong way or take it too far um mm. you know i mean you don't need to also like go the other way and you don't need to have like she extrapolated and she exclaimed and she cried and she shouted like you don't need to go too dramatic with it but yeah sometimes, I mean, sometimes yeah. i think tags are sort of not always necessary if the flow yeah. of the conversation is back and forth, you can get to the point where you're just responding to each other. The two characters right. are just, you know, as long as you're putting it on the next line, it's like the reader can sort of understand that it's the, the other person uh, talking there. But yeah, no, it's it's just funny. I like to ask the, uh, this, I, I, I need to ask that more actually of, of other people on the show. The, the said question well, could be like one of those things. I try to replace it with just like, you know, motion tags or, you know, he looked up, she looked down or yes. down or that kind of thing. But then like, I've caught myself, like I had to like actually kind of block a scene. I think it was one of my fantasy works where I just noticed like all people were doing were like standing up, sitting down. Like she stood up, she sat down, she stood up, she sat down. Like she turned her head. I'm like, okay, like if you actually block this out, it looks like freaking robots break dancing or some shit. So yeah, there's that Oh man, too. like it's really funny. Like for me, there's, I always have to stop myself from shrugging too many times. Shrugging mm -hmm. is like, I feel yeah. like I always want my characters to throw in a shrug, like at all times. Yeah. So like, I don't know, just yeah. shrug, just shrug it off. And then it's like, oh, okay. Well, th there's like four shrugs in this two page section. So I, we, we gotta, we gotta cut that down. <laughs> particularly I'm prone to having people just look out the window, you know, like they walk out the window and look out the window and you know, there's right, a lot of exactly. hopefully good views for them. Um, but yeah, I've got to watch some stuff like that. That's so funny. Yeah. So if we're losing the audience here, it's it's like basically if you're writing dialogue and instead of saying, you know, Morgan, you know, instead of saying, oh, this is how I write poetry, said Morgan, you could say, this is how I write poetry. Morgan looked out the window. And it's like, yeah. now we know, <laughs> now we know who's talking because Morgan was mentioned, but she did an action instead right. of saying said. And sometimes it works and sometimes <laughs> you're just doing too many idle mo movements and it's just funny. Um, so that's, that's, that's pretty funny. So um, your debut novel is uh, the book Abode, which was recently re-released by Crystal Lake Publishing. Um, Tell us about the process of writing your first novel and how it, uh, you know, differed to writing poetry. You know, how, how did you get into a full novel? How did you say like, okay, 
I'm going to do this. How did that feel? Well, Code was the first novel that I published, but it wasn't the first novel I wrote. I've got a couple of epic fantasy series. Um, one of those is Dawn, which book one is out. Book two is mm -hmm. like, I, I've been saying this for literally years, but I'm finalizing the edits on it. I have another huge baby, which is probably going to be like my like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. And I had worked on that for like, there's five books in the series and those had been sitting. Um, so I had done longer works. I had done like epic series, but I had never done um, a standalone novel. Hmm. Actually, Dawn started out as a standalone novel because I got tired of working on the other one. And I was like, I'm just going to write a standalone. And then that turned into like three books. Mm -hmm. And then um, I started a boat. Actually, I was still living in Florida and I just was like getting more into horror. And I was kind of like missing the North and like a boat is kind of a wintry read. And I was just like, I just wanted to write a haunted house, house story. And um, because I'm an idiot and I like to challenge myself on things, I was like, I'm going to try to write this in second person. Um, it's kind of got a found footage feel to it because a lot of it's done in like email form, which was the closest I ended up getting to second person. But I guess it sort of reads that way. Mm -hmm. um, but I tend around, I tend to hop around from thing to thing. So I'd started it. Um, in the meantime, my whole life changed. I ended up moving up here and then um, I just, I picked it up again. Um, and then I saw the call come out from Bloodshot Books, which was the original publisher. And I just was like, this seems good. And I just like busted ass to finish it. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, the rest is, I don't know. Very cool. History might be like, oh, um, it came out in 2017. Okay. Um, and then Crystal Lake just put it out. Actually, uh, the audiobook on that just came out this year. Um, and the, the narrator um, did an amazing job with it. Like it was, I kept telling him, it's so weird to hear like the voice in my head is, is coming out of speakers. Like he really nailed it. So, um, I yeah, just saw nice. I just saw today that it was an audiobook. I did because I didn't realize it, and I wasn't sure if it had been out forever, and I just was like dumb or or what, but okay, so it came out this year. Yeah, it was so, kind of one of those things where like I really should have done this like years ago because Bloodshot mm -hmm. never had audio rights on it. I just didn't get around to it until um kind of worked out perfectly that it just so happened to I put it in production right as the the change was coming from bloodshot to crystal lake and it just so happened that like they came out at the nice. same time so that oh, worked out well kismet yeah. nice excellent um well i mean i am definitely going to be listening to abode uh like yeah i'll send you the next because I, yeah. I have never i've never actually read abode so i need to fix that and I love, I love audiobooks. audio books, audio. It's, it's great because, you know, like, I mean, I, I have, I have like two hours in the car every day. So it's a lot easier to justify reading, reading time when it's time. I have nothing to do, but listen, you know, it's great. Um, so I'll definitely check that out. So guys check that out abode on, on, uh, audible. I certainly will. Um, so your work, as I mentioned in the intro, has been adapted into episodes of numerous audio podcasts, which is super cool. You've been on Pseudopod, which I feel like is a really big one. I I think I thought that was so freaking cool when you made that announcement a couple years ago. Dark Tome, Realm, Undertow, and most recently Pulse. What has that process been like? You've you've gotten to be in like so many. 
Um, well, I mean, I guess just to clarify, um, the, the stuff that I've done with, um, well, Realm adapted, um, one of my short stories into, well, it was the dark tone, but now they're, they're under Realm. Um, they adapted one of my short stories, but then they brought me on board as part of a writer's team for, um, Undertow, which was the second season, which was the werewolf season. So, um, uh, the, uh, head of sound, Fred, uh, Greenhow, he put together a little team of Mainers and we did uh, basically a series, which was a werewolf, um, a werewolf arc story arc for that series. Um, it's part of the undertow undertow universe or the Fredverse, as you know, we also kind of call it. Um, and like each the series, the seasons are independent, but there, there are a little connecting threads. So, um, okay. That was my first time around in a writer's room. Um, it was, it was like all the things it was amazing. It was hard. It was, um, rewarding. It was challenging. Um, definitely learned a lot from it and had a great time doing it. Um, that is available on any podcast streaming forum. Um, Spotify, Apple, all that, all, all the things, and then um, we did a little mini series follow up this past year, which is Undertow the Pulse. That's like kind of a more of a fun little romp through the main woods. And that one came out a couple months ago. That's a, that's also under the Undertow umbrella. And then I've got. So I have to admit that I have not been successful finding you guys on my various, uh, the places that I've looked for Undertow. Um, there is one that I see undertow the sisters, which is under realm. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's the newest season. So it's the same show, just a different season. Okay. So it's, so it says 75 episodes. So maybe this is the same show. Yeah. And... So the 75 episodes, I think would probably be, be like all of the undertow stuff. So the, okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's what was throwing me because I was always looking for Undertow and it, what, what was the actual show? Because it was you and Emma Gibbon and... Yeah, uh, and uh, Bob LeBlanc and yeah. Sean French who are other mainers. Um, ours, the, the season that we did was Blood Forest. Blood Forest, right. And yeah. I had... Yeah, and I was looking at Blood Forest and the realm and Undertow and all that stuff and I just wasn't able to find anything. So, okay... So, oh yeah, so there's different seasons here. Yeah. And uh, so it's on season six right now. Yep. I think they put the pulse out as season five, which was like the little, uh, that's a three episode arc. And then, okay. um, yeah, Blood Forest was season one. So, um, I mean, oh. sorry, Blood Forest was season two. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of an <clears throat> ever expanding well, that's very cool, and I definitely want to listen to the ones you guys work on, and I just wasn't sure. So for those of you who are looking up on your podcast apps, definitely look up Undertow. The It's it's Realm Undertow. Currently, it says The Sisters, but that's all the same show, and I will definitely start that, too. I was, I've been meaning to actually ask you guys about that because I keep looking, and I'm like, I don't know. I can't find the right one. Something I'm doing wrong here. Um, but so, so that's, that's very cool. Cause uh, yeah, I had gotten a little card from you guys, uh, over the summer at Nikon, uh, Emma was giving them out yeah. and then at, uh, I just saw you guys again at Merrimack and, uh, oh. and, uh, it's like, oh man, I, I, I want to listen to this so much, but, um, yeah, that's really cool. So you were on a, like a real, a real writer's room 
like yeah, we um, cool one that? of the actors yeah one of the one of the well i mean there was a lot of bright spots to that but like one of the things that like speaking retro um we got one of the actors from the thing um the original thing movie is on it um whoa yeah the guy that played cool. palmer that? uh oh god i'm blanking on his name but he was the guy that played palmer and okay. yeah um cool I, I mean i freaking love that movie yeah um, guy played palmer i'm looking at what does he say what's his name it's not it's not wilford brimley i'll tell you his name is uh david i think Tunnel. it was palmer yeah that sounds right cool. that's freaking cool oh man yeah i gotta hear this i mean this is just super exciting and uh emma's great too and it's always fun oh yeah she is um uh yeah well that's great so okay so now we've gotten that cleared up you you have uh a lot of new releases that are currently just kind of all hitting right now and uh it's 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 very impressive morgan like you have a lot of stuff right so you have obviously this year we had the re-release of abode but aside from that you also have uh out from cemetery dance you have in the Cold, Cold Ground, an anthology of New England horror, which was put together and edited by the super awesome Ed Kurtz. Love that guy. Um, this is a very different type of anthology. Instead of like 10 or 15, sometimes there's more short stories. This is actually a collection of just six stories, but they're all novellas, um, which includes yours, Art of Devastation, so this is a very high concept, very ambitious anthology. Um, how did you get involved with this? Oh, um, I don't know why, but I can't hear you. There you go. Oh, okay. Um, I was lucky, honored enough to be invited in when Ed was just putting the thing together. Um, he divided it up by states, by the New England states. And um, I was... Uh, approached to do Maine. And of course I was like, Oh hell yes. Um, and, um, kind of got my little button gear. And, um, I think something with me that goes back to probably my newspaper days is there was a deadline on it. And like, I just, I hear the word deadline and like all, everything starts firing at once, mm -hmm. which, um, I probably should just try to give myself fake deadlines. Cause I feel like when I don't have a deadline, I don't work anywhere near, as fast um sure. but yeah um there were six states uh six writers and um yeah it's just uh really that was cool definitely idea. uh yeah definitely a, a bucket list publisher for me and uh just very happy to be part of it yeah i mean cemetery dance i mean come on this is like stephen king's uh, you know current new hotness you know i mean um it's so so cool um so so were there any other guidelines other than it like it just had to be horror and it had to be set in maine that's it or was there anything else i think that was it um i can't really basically it Very um, cool. can you tell us a little a little bit about your story that you uh your uh artifacts um yeah mine actually it was a, it was a seed i'd had the seed of the story a long time ago and it was basically um, without giving too much away, it's kind of a one of those stories that sort of takes 
place, part in the past and part in the future. And um, it's somebody interviewing the survivor of an incident that had happened back in the 90s, which was a group of kids were sailing off the coast of Maine and they ended up on this island, which is uh, not a normal island. I'll just leave it at that. And um, crazy things happened. And um, in the interview where it's being recalled, more crazy things starts happening and um, everything kind of all comes full circle in very creepy ways. And there's a, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty dark piece, I think. Um, pretty cool. So, so let me yeah, guess. Just, all right. I'll just throw out a, a random, random guess based on absolutely nothing. Uh, the, the island's not really an island. They're all in purgatory. Close. <laughs> Giving that away. And the, uh, like one of the kids from party of five is, is the main hero. No. Okay. I've gotten that totally wrong. Um, um, <laughs> no, it's funny though. Like, I don't, I don't know if this is where you're going with that or if you've noticed, but like whenever I post something and I tag mm -hmm. myself in my location, it tags purgatory because I actually do live um, in purgatory or technically my, my address is in purgatory, but my, we're right next to, it's not even really a town. It's just purgatory. Purgatory, so, Maine. Yeah. Purgatory, Maine. That's pretty good. Cool. right I, now, I'll, I'll sh like, yeah, it'll show up as purgatory. Name, yeah, so, let's do yeah. it. I'm in purgatory. We're, we're all in purgatory right here tonight. So that's pretty, uh, it's pretty funny. I love that. Like I always wanted to, I'll do it. A, I'll... you know, a town with an insane name, like nobody would believe. I know, like, right? You know, <laughs> the devil's asshole, Colorado or something, you know, like something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Not, that I, I don't live anywhere near anything coolly named as that. Um, so okay that is that's awesome i i am super excited about this book um i love the high concept of it and how it's you know it's six novellas it's it's a little bit longer um you get to you get to hang out with the reader with the writer just a little bit more and let yeah. them really flex a little bit and um how long is uh is is your story and did you did you meet the deadline did they say like make it 20,000 words or something or what was it I think you I think it was supposed to be 20 but I think I was a little bit over I think I was at 21 or something um and um it was just close enough and loose enough to where I didn't luckily have to go back and cut a bunch of stuff um and just for those <clears throat> who aren't uh aren't writers who are listening you know we all as writers think of things in terms of words not pages for various reasons um but so twenty thousand words is uh compared to a short story usually a short story when you know people are putting these things together and they want you to send them stuff usually people ask for anywhere between three thousand to even seven thousand words it's pretty rare that any, anybody wants more than seven thousand words that's kind of a long short story you can get longer, obviously you can go 15 and it's still a short story, but most people are looking for three to three to seven is that sweet spot. Um, so 20 is a lot longer, you know, it's a big difference. Pretty cool. So you have that. I tend to... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say um, a lot of times, like I tend to write long probably i don't know like me too much purple prose or whatever so i often have to end up like when i'm doing short stories i almost always end up having to go back and cut stuff so it was really nice not to have to chop stuff off that yeah. um the novella i'm working on now i'm like eyeballing it being like should i just keep this going and make it a freaking novel because i'm already at 27 
Um, but I also, that's kind of part of my process. I tend to overwrite and then chop. So I'll get there. And, you know, don't mess with what works, right? I mean, yeah. clearly, you know, and you, if you're not afraid to, to kill your darlings, then um, all the better. Because that's, that's another big thing, right? Like if people get too precious with, with what they've created um, and they lose sight of, well, is, is it making the whole as best as it can be? Or is, is it just that I like this chapter? even though it yeah. adds nothing to the overall story. Okay. Get rid of it. Kill that darling. Um, it's it's but. funny. Cause like that, that's one piece of advice that didn't hit me until I was like, Oh yeah, now I get it. Like, you know, like, cause I would be like, why am I going to cut this perfectly good paragraph? And then eventually mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, it doesn't really add anything. It's just sitting there doing nothing. So. Yeah. I, I find it to be true in movies a lot too. Like, you know, when they're, they, you know, they were, really proud of like a zinger line that they were just so proud of but the whole scene feels contrived and yeah built just around the fact just want to get that one line out because they loved it so much and that's a darling they should have killed it's like either figure out a way to work it in naturally and have it work or don't do it because it's not working it's a good line by itself <laughs> You know, it is a funny line, but mm -hmm. it didn't work and it felt forced. And I, I find that all the time while watching movies where it's like, oh, God, they just wanted to they just wanted to say that line so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this whole stupid scene is is built around it. Um, and I noticed that you don't see that so much with TV writing because most of them have like they have like they have to hit like that, whatever whatever the time mark is, you've got these little 30 second scenes that like, actually there's a lot going on, you know, when you pile them on top of each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you're, you're probably dealing with a lot more writers, you know, a larger writers yeah. room for a TV show. Um, but you know, they're killing, they're killing darlings left and right. It's a massacre at all times, blood on the walls. Um, so your next, brand new release semi brand new uh you did put out a a new book of poetry and it has an <laughs> amazingly great name and amazingly great cover in fact i think this is my favorite of your covers it's called hemlock and hellfire poems about witches and woodlands um wow i love this is a gorgeous cover uh do you remember who the artist is um, I actually bought the art pre-made from Etsy seller and just checked the, um, just made sure it was okay with the artist that it was part of a cover. And then I did the, like the, there's not a lot of text on it. I just did that part myself. Um, so yeah, it's funny. I get more compliments on that cover and I'm like, I literally just threw it together with, I mean, um, it, it's, really it works. Yeah, it works. It really is. It's like a, it's a skull in the center and then it has, you know, roses growing out of the eye socket and there's butterflies and, and stuff. So you have this, you know, juxtaposition of tone of the, the horrible and the beautiful and the, the yeah. deadly and the dainty. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's nice. It's, it's also fairly minimalist. Like you said, you know, it's just that on black and you have the, the title Hemlock and Hellfire. So yeah. Um, talk about this collection you know is this something that you've been working on for a while you know is this a an itch you hadn't scratched maybe in a long time i got to do some more poetry because um, oh. caesar, caesar on red was a few 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 years ago right 
years ago yeah and i i don't know why but i had it in my head that okay i'm like since i'm working in these different genres i'm, I'm i was like i'm going to rotate i'm going to do a horror novel then a fantasy novel then a poetry collection um and um kind of get out of whack but then like i do poetry in spurts and what i tend to do sometimes is i'll just like i'll write like a little snippet you know or i'll, I'll go on a rampage one night and write a bunch of little snippets and then um you know, eventually the snippets were building up and it kind of came about because I just wanted something new to have at Merrimack rather than like the little chapbooks that I'd done last year oh, yeah. and the year before. Um, and I was like, you know what, why don't I just like amp it up a little bit? And instead of like, you know, cause the ones I had done the years before, like I just printed them and folded them all together here. And I was like, I'm just going to actually do a real one through like Amazon, Amazon KDP and, um, just kind of was thinking on themes and I just decided to collect like the, you know, some of the new snippets. There's a couple of older pieces that have been like revisited and um, I kind of cannibalize my poems sometimes um, partly on purpose, but partly because I'm not really as uh, um, organized with my files as I should be. So I'll have like these long files with like 200 pages of poetry snippets. And I honestly sometimes cannot remember which ones went into something else. So, and, but then like I'll rearrange them and redo them and they turn into something new anyway. So there was a little bit of that going on. Um, there were a few, I think that went in from my first collection whispers from the apocalypse, which is out of print. So, okay, whatever, like rights reverted. Um, but yeah, a little bit of all of the above. And then once I had the theme, you know, I wrote, I wrote, you know, new stuff as well and kind of curated the snippets that I was going to finish for that. Um, and, it, um, it came together pretty, pretty fast actually. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to have something, something new out there and it just happened to, um, October was, this was a crazy fall for me because like I had the abode re-release. I had the abode audiobook release that was coming right back on the heels of the pulse coming out. And then like between in the cold, cold ground and carrying yeah, and harvest. Yeah. So like, see, like everything I did all year, like just happened to come out like within the same two months. Um, it's the so life of a horror author. Life of a horror writer. That's kind I mean, of like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Everything happens in October yeah. or around Pretty much. October. For Literally. October. <laughs> Yeah. And we've mentioned Merrimack a couple of times too, and that is the Merrimack Valley Halloween Book Festival that happens once a year, every year, in Haverhill, Massachusetts. It's not pronounced Haverhill, but I pronounce it that way because I screwed it up just now. But that is how it's spelled. It's Haverhill. Haverhill. But yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or if you listened to uh, the audiobook for Joe Hill's Nosferatu, then you would you will hear uh, Kate Mulgrew say Haverhill. Massachusetts many times Haverhill same place um a really really great festival tons of amazing authors go every year and it's definitely worth definitely worth checking out as a fan um really really cool but um so that that was the debut of this um yeah. that's pretty cool a lot of people do that a lot of people try to have something come out for Merrimack because it's such a big deal and they want to be cool and I haven't been that cool yet, but that's okay. Like it is, it is a really great place to uh, yeah. to debut stuff. Really, really cool festival. But it's just one day. It's one day a year. It's not a whole con that lasts all weekend, unfortunately. Maybe someday. And that's what's, that's kind of one of the cool things with it. It's it's like it's it's awesome, but it's also fast. 
fast. Like you're, you know, it's a one day thing. Like it's, I mean, honestly, it's like six hours, I think. And then, you know, there's the whole dinner thing. Everybody goes out to dinner and that's it. You're done. Like, it's not like you don't have to yep. pack for three days. Um, and they cram a lot know. in too, because there's, yeah. there's a, a ton of authors that are just always around, but there's also panels all day. So yep. there's also like, you know, four or five panels throughout the day upstairs. It's a really, it's a really great, um, it's a great event and it's also free. You can just go uh, in, you can just show up. Yeah. Pretty cool. And, uh, and, uh, the authors do all, uh, donate part of their proceeds to the library. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, also helping the, the reading community in that area. So there's that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Really good time. I had an awesome time this year. Um, so, so we got, okay. So we're, we're, we're up to the last one, which is my favorite one. So, you know, to recap, we got the re-release of, of Abode. We had your In the Cold, Cold Ground come out from Cemetery Dance. We had your Hemlock and Hellfires, poems about witches in the wood and woodlands. And now we have your new novella, which has been released by Thunderstorm Books in a very special, very limited edition hardcover book. The title is Carrion Harvest. Um, I got to read this over the weekend and I was hooked from page one. And, uh, I will say like doing this show, um, you know, I try to prepare as much as I possibly can with our guests when they're coming on. And sometimes there's a long lead time and I have a few weeks and sometimes there's less. And we made the plan to do this episode like one week ago. So it was just this very quick thing that just happened. And, um, and so I didn't have a lot of prep time to read something like, you know, a full, you know, certainly a novel or whatever, but you sent over two things. And I will say that I generally only read a couple of chapters when there's like a short amount of time. It's like, mm -hmm. I want to be able to talk about the thing certainly, but I don't always have the time to be able to go through something so quickly. Um, and this book, I could not stop reading it. So, like, oh. I, so I, I did, I did finish the entire thing and, um, it's, it's obviously not super long, but it's, um, it's not that short either. It, it was great. Uh, I loved this carrion harvest really, uh, beautifully written. Um, every, every, every bit of it is just, you know, you're getting that you're getting those like bursts of poetry uh, almost all the way through. And, uh, and afterwards I wrote you a little blurb and uh, I described it as a fifties monster movie written by Robert Frost. And that is a statement that I, I just completely stand by you because there's that, I mean, I really wanted to say Poe, but it's not quite Poe, but I, I really do get that Robert Frost vibe. Like there's something yeah. about it and, and it, it just, but, it, but yet it is sort of like this, you know, you wrote a giant bug story, you know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. so fascinating how elevated, how? it's just like, how, how, how high, how much can you elevate a story that's about giant bugs? Like how good, how close to literature can we get with something like that? And you have answered and you've like, well, this close, <laughs> this is how close we can get. And it's pretty damn close. It's, it was a really good time. And, uh, you know, it, it's about the only time I've, I've read a story about giant bugs. That's not fluff. <laughs> that's, that's about like all I can say, like, I really did love it. So, um, 
please like talk about carrion harvest talk about the genesis of of the story and and what got got you started doing this and uh and also i would i'd love to hear about how you got involved with thunderstorm books and i know this is mary san, san giovanni's uh imprint so this is mm -hmm. like is this like her and brian Keane's company i'm, I'm not quite um, sure it's it's just mary i believe okay. um but uh, they both work closely with thunderstorm um it was actually kind of random um we were just chatting at Nikon, and she sort of out of the blue just invited me to submit i was like okay um yeah. and that's kind of all it was or i guess invited um extended the offer i guess and um you know then i had to write the damn thing um so i basically went right from art of devastation right into that and um that was pretty much it i just um i didn't really like we didn't talk about subject matter or anything like that it was wow. just right a novella um and you know obviously it wasn't like a you know it was going to be subject to their approval of course or, um, right sure yeah so yeah that's um and then uh i did it and i do this a lot i think i just i start with a line and then i'm like well how do i tell the story of this line um and i had a couple of things that were sort of kicking around in my head about it and um like i i'm much more of a pantser than a plotter um i i'm somewhere in between in that like i'll pants my way through and then when i get really stuck i'll start looking at things in terms of plot um but i just i just i just wrote it i don't it's really it's really weird because it's, it's been wow i don't know like six months um and um i just yeah, I just kind of dove in and just let the story take me where it wanted to go. That is so fascinating to me because this book, I'll describe like just the way the presentation is, because I don't want to give anything major away. I mean, I've already said there's bugs, but there's, you know, the the way that you structure this story is you give something really intriguing away at the beginning, and then you tell the rest of the story in flashback. So you start off and you're like, okay, interesting, cool, horrific things are here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really going to explain any of it. You got to keep reading. And the way that you tell the flashbacks, you're just filling in all the history of what had happened. And then every so often you come back and you switch to the first person perspective. And that's the present tense, which we started with. And that is also progressing at a pace. So it's not a person who's reflecting, you know, on, you know, from a, a single non-moving spot, remembering this whole thing. No, the, the present tense is also moving along and things are happening there too. And the way that you re reveal things in dribs and drabs feels so incredibly planned and so incredibly deliberate that it it blows my mind that you 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 just wrote this from the seat of your pants <laughs> that's insane this it's is so it's so it feels so incredibly specifically planned out like every bit of it that's amazing well there's a lot of like i do go back and i'm a crazy editor so like it did not you know by any means come together like you know like that on the first draft it was just like i just have this weird like i'll the scene will come to me and then like another scene will come to me and sometimes they're very far apart so i have to kind of like figure out how to 
how to match them, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I don't, I don't know. There's kind of a piece of writing advice and I can't remember honestly, if this is something that someone said, or if it's something that popped into my head at some point, but I just have this mantra of like, grab the reader by the throat and don't let go. Um, mm -hmm. So I know you see, like, for instance, you'll see a lot of um, advice about how that first, that first page, that first paragraph, that first line has to be like, so, so good. But then like, I've read books where that first chapter is awesome. And then it just falls apart, like, or it doesn't fall apart, but it just doesn't keep up that same level of tension. Right. Um, so I just try to be wary of, um, you know, just keeping up the tension and adding as much tension as I can. And like, I throw myself ringers. Sometimes I'll be like, Oh, what's that line mean? Oh, fuck. Now I got to figure out how to work that in. And, you know, just mm -hmm. kind of pushing my way through it until I, you know, finally end up with a novella. Interesting. And so um, there's, yeah, there's that weirdness I, too. I think that the, the, the thing that this reminded me the most of in the, in the telling, in the structure is the first planet of the Re the apes remake uh with, with james franco in it it was kind of like that because like that also kept jumping and you were waiting for the you kept in the past you kept waiting for the the hammer to fall and in waiting for like the shit to hit the fan and you you, you knew bad stuff was coming but you weren't sure exactly what you weren't sure exactly how it was going to happen and um that sort of kind of is the only thing I could even compare this to that comes to mind as far as the way that you're telling the story. It's a totally different story, but, um, but it is a really fascinating piece and I was gripped the entire time. So you did grab me by the throat and you did not let go. And, um, <laughs> and you threw um, me in a dungeon for it. I fuck, did. Man? I did. <laughs> and that's what I do to my friends. I mean, just, you know, I'm a terrible person. Um, but no, it was, it was, it was really, really, really great. I, I urge people to seek this out. Um, so this is, uh, only available, as I said, as the super limited edition hardcover. Um, and the link is going to be in the show notes. So if you're interested, please check that out. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Actually, I saw a picture, um, our mutual friend, Peter Dudar, who's also been on the show. Um, he, he held up a, a copy that he just got in the mail today and it really looks like this just spectacular library edition that's um beautiful yeah that's really like a special piece um and it it really is a, a great book now when are do you have any plans to if um you know the rights to this you know when they expire are you gonna maybe release it as as another form a paperback a kindle or anything um, yeah, I'm kind of loosely thinking of doing, um, kind of copying the in the cold, cold ground type thing and probably going to release it with um, most likely The Art of Devastation and um, another novella, which I'm thinking would be the one that I'm working on now, but um, I don't have any solid plans for it, but that's kind of a loose, oh, great. loose what I'm thinking. Um, but I mean, you never know. Um, I'm sure it'll eventually come out in some other form, but um, yeah. That's that's really cool. Uh, I hope you do that um, because the one thing about this this uh, and I, I don't want to come down on Thunderstorm Books. They're, they're not the only company who's doing it, but there's a lot of these publishers who are doing these. They're, they're doing these exclusive boutique editions of books that um, are a bit on the 
pricey side of things. And uh, it's a shame to to high, to put some of these really quality works, in my opinion, behind these paywalls because not everybody has that uh, those funds to be able to 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 purchase something like that. But you know they should be available to the masses because like this story is too good to be this limited. Um, and I think that people need to read it and, you know, it needs to get in as many hands as possible. Um, ironically, I noticed uh, thunderstorm books. I didn't, didn't remember this, but another one of their books is dark kin uh, by Casey and Joe Lansdale. And Ka uh, Casey was on last week and we were talking wow. about, Oh yeah. We were just, we were just talking about dark kin. We were just talking about her new one uh death realm spirits and uh and and she she actually said that she's happy that darkin ends up being this the super limited thing and it just makes it the special special thing and uh that was her first collected work ever that was like her first you know okay i wrote a bunch of stuff for the over the last 10 15 years i'm gonna finally put it together in one place kind of thing and i think a lot of us writers do tend to have that happen at some point we're like okay now i'll put this out um and so i because because for me i'm like oh well you know gee i'd, I'd love to have this but it's it sold out it's sold out you know already so these limited uh these limited editions have have a double edge to them for sure but if you end mm -hmm. up being one of the people who's able to get it you know i mean it looks gorgeous and they do have payment plans um you can you know i mean there's so many ways to do that type of thing at this point online but um really cool seen, um, yeah i know that some of the authors have um after the limited edition is sold out have released um their works and through other venues whether it's mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if off, off the top of my head if it was self-published or going through other publishers or not but um the thing i think that is really cool like just like the binding it's got a silk cover and it's like it's just a gorgeous book so yeah. There's the there's that kind of collectible type of feel to it. Like these are gone. Like there's 45 copies and they're gone. But um, mm -hmm. I think it's safe to say that the the bugs will rise again in some other form <laughs> at some point. <laughs> that's that's good. I mean, you, you which is you, funny you, because I'm actually like I I hate insects. Like I'm not I'm I realize they're part of the planet and we need them and stuff. But I'm I'm not a bug girl by any means. Wow. So okay, I would I'm glad you brought that up. I was assuming you were a huge bug girl based nope. on this because there is a ton, a ton of biology in this. You I had in... to do some research and I was like squeaking <laughs> out. I was like, oh, gross. Like, um, yeah, it's, I mean, but I also just, you know, we have like a small garden and just like some of the crap that's trying to eat our plants. It's just like, what the fuck are you? Like, just, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Leave my oh, alone, you monster. Well, you kept using like, you know, the genus and species and, and like different things. And there were there, I had to look stuff up. I was, I was stopping to look stuff up as I was reading. And like the, the, you kept referring to, I already don't remember it, but the camel spider genus or the scientific. Yeah. Uh, those things are nightmare fuel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually, I, yeah, that reminds me like while I was doing this, I remember I did do quite a bit of research for it. And it turns out that there's like this whole kind of like um, spectrum that's like part scorpion and part spider. And they have like their own, I can't remember what they're called now, but they're like, there's a thing. Yeah. That's, that's the like, word. Yeah. That's yeah, the word yeah. I can't remember. 
And um, I remember researching that and just be like, ah! <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like it's either a camel spider or it's called a wind scorpion. I, I've mm-hmm. never heard of that before. A wind scorpion that sounds like a D creature. Like, are you kidding me? Um, uh, let's see what comes up here. Um, so yeah, this is the word you kept using it's solifugae. Solifugae? Yep. Yeah, and there should be <laughs> and, uh, a metal band that has that name. Yes. Like those... yeah. <laughs> yes. So there are, they, they are like arthropods, they're arachnids, but they are their own order. Um, and it basically just includes the camel spider, and there's a few slightly different ones, and camel spiders. <laughs> if you hate, if you hate bugs, <laughs> just don't look them up. Just don't even look them up. My, I mean, I'm telling you right now, every girl in my house right now, if, if I showed them this, they would be legitimately pissed off at me. Like putting this image in their head would be like, it's not even something to laugh about. Like that is the equivalent of walking up to them and kicking, kicking them in the face. Something else about that, though, I do actually like spiders. I mean, I don't want a wolf spider, but like I in the another thing that happened in the course of researching this is I became like really enamored with jumping spiders, which are the cute little personal, like little friendly, fluffy ones. So I'm actually um, I haven't done it yet, but I'm sort of like almost all the way there. I'm going to adopt one. Um, I've learned that you can keep them as pets. So my jumping spider, um, I have decided that I'm going to make her little enclosure be like a little psychic uh, tent. So I've gotten her a little miniature uh, crystal ball, a little cauldron. I've got little itty bitty tarot cards. I've got a little teeny tiny hand in a jar. Um, Just all the little trappings of a little like this little Madame Olga. I think I'm weird. I don't know. (laughs) Is that her name? (laughs) I think so. Yeah. Waited too long, and I'm like, no, damn it! Now it's getting too cold, so now I can't really order them, order her until next spring. But yeah, like maybe like next next year or something. If I come back on, I can be like, this is little little Clementine or little Olga or whatever her name is. And my boyfriend's always like, you realize I can catch you one outside. I'm like, no, I I want I want the pretty ones. (laughs) You want the pedigree? Um, Yeah, I want the pedigree. This is uh, this is Lucas the spider. This is totally yeah, Lucas. Lucas was a jumping spider. They're yeah, really he, I, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't know what a jumping spider was, but seeing it, it's like, oh, that's Lucas the spider for sure. The, They're really cute. Yeah. Um, some people would not agree. I, I have no problem with spiders. I have no problem with insects at all. I actually, always thought they were very cool, but I've never had them as pets. So uh, good on you, and all the best to Ma- Madame Olga. Um, may she, may her reign be long and prosperous. Probably um, not born yet, but like, you know, <laughs> she's when, on the when way. She gets here. <laughs> yeah. When she gets here, <laughs> when she gets here. So, um, we have been on for about an hour. Um, would you like to do a reading tonight of any kind? Before um, we get I to can. our retro segment? Yeah. You don't I can have do. to, it's up to you. I'm going to do a quick one because um, I'm not really actually reading is not one of my strong suits. I usually have about five at most 10 minutes before I just start like stuttering and tripping over words. That's when I'm like, okay, I'm done. Um, (laughs) Fair enough. 
guess I'm gonna hang on. Let me see here. This is still a work in progress, but I'm gonna give you a little teaser from a new novella that I'm working on. Mm, cool. um, this is working title is called uh, "The Night We Lost Our Souls." Nice. And if this All gives right. you anything um, about my process, at this point, I don't know what that night is, and I don't actually know how they lost their souls yet. Um, I sometimes reverse engineer <laughs> things. I'll pick a title that sounds cool, and I'll be like, hmm, figure out like what story is going to go with that title. So yeah, right now, I, I don't know well, how that... That's okay. so awesome that we have the illustration of what you were talking about earlier. Like sometimes you write a line and you don't know what it means, but now now we have to figure it out. So you have a whole title <laughs> yeah, of a whole book, and, and that's really funny. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm whenever sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm twenty seven thousand words into this, so I probably should figure it out pretty quick. But I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say yeah, it's about time. Right. I'm getting there though. I've got I've got it mostly like the rough draft is in there. Um, but all right, I will nice. give it a shot. Okay. Whenever okay. you're ready. She knew they were real when the grass turned gray. That was the moment she understood terror. Not just the word, but its taste, copper and wine, and its scent, sweetness and rot. That final horrific realization hadn't come without warning. There'd been signs before that, though she tried her best to ignore them. The nightmares that left her sweat sweating and shaking. The missing chunks of time, strange, unworldly sounds echoing over the twisted, tangled hills, shadows that moved and seethed and hissed in empty spaces. Not that any of those things mattered now. Beyond the tangled trees, the black star was rising. She couldn't see it, but she could feel its sour, dissonant call ringing like a bell through the remains of her tattered soul. She paced the room for the thousandth time, her white vinyl go-go boots retracing the path she'd stamped through the faded Persian rug, which was itself bigger than her old Chelsea apartment. The scent of mildew hung in the damp air. The sweet always smelled musty and moldy, no matter how often she cleaned it or how much strawberry incense she burned. But now another odor mingled with the ever-present smells of dampness and... I, have, I need to put a word there. I haven't put the word there yet. Um of death. I guess this should be why I probably shouldn't read things that aren't done. Anyway, sorry. All right, so back hour, to the story. Hour through. Hour through. <laughs> I know, right? Um, Gregory had taken the bodies to the ancient boneyard that morning. She'd watched through the grimy window as he piled the stiffening corpses onto the rusty old wheelbarrow, moving the blue-gray bodies into the wood as though they were nothing more than fallen branches to dispose of. She remembered seeing the girl's hand flop out of the pile. Something had caught the sunlight, flashing reflection into her eyes. She'd realized only later that it must have been the engagement ring. It would have taken Gregory most of the day to dig the graves. No easy task, that, not at this time of year. The snow hadn't, hadn't stayed so far, but there had been enough freezing nights to harden the earth. In any case, the summer greenery was long gone. The few leaves still clinging to the trees were brown and withered, the woods dead and lifeless, caught between autumn's fire and winter's ice. The ancient radio fuzzed in and out, playing the latest Doors song. The music reminded her of happier times. One particular moment re returned in picture-perfect clarity. She'd been at a beach with a group of friends in California, watching a fiery gold sunset as a tiny yellow sun melted on her tongue. By the time the stars rose, the universe had dissolved into a, uh, colors and sound. She'd walked into the water, splashing through ancient waves as the ocean kissed her feet. 
Someone was strumming guitar and singing gently. Whoops. Wait a minute. I just lost my place there. She recognized the melody, a Crosby, Stills, and Nash song, something about a return to the garden. She pondered the meaning of that with one of the mad ones, the mad Alice's, she used to call them, the ones that lived out on that ranch in the desert. Are they right? She'd ask one of them. Are we stardust? Are we all eaves cast out? The mad Alice had looked at her with empty, starry eyes. Beyond the girl's strawberry blonde hair and thick headband, gold red flames licked the melting starry sky. <clears throat> a different time, a different life, a different reality. It was cold and dark here in the northern woods, and something ancient and evil was awakening in the cursed hills. Someone walked down the second floor hall just below her. She froze, listening, trying to identify the, the footsteps. The tread sounded too heavy for Miranda, too light for Gregory, one of the others then. They started arriving while she was still in the throes of a drug-induced sleep. She'd woken groggy and disoriented to the sound of strange voices in the kitchen. Bits and pieces of conversation floated up through the dumbwaiter. They'd been chatting over coffee as though everyone was normal, talking about Vietnam, the price of eggs, the newest car. The light was fading. Steel-colored clouds grew in, drew in thick over bare branches, per cloaking purple twilight behind a blanket of chilly gray mist. She hadn't much time left. And I'm going to stop it there because you can see that my... Uh, my stamina for reading out loud is not very long. No, thank I've got you. About, oh, one's kind of a sixty-year-old yeah, kind of Lovecrafty type thing. Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. Well, hey, thank you for that preview. That's really fun. So, world premiere of your uh, of your new in progress stuff. I mean, can't beat that. Um, I have a question. Um, could I, could I, could I, would you mind, could I read the first page of Carrion Harvest? Go for it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Because <clears throat> you guys, this is so good. And this, this opening page is just so killer. Okay, here we go. So this is uh, just, I'm really only going to read page one of Carrion Harvest. <laughs> I have known three mothers and I have three deaths. Those words flow over and over again through my thoughts, a churning whirlpool where there should be a flowing river. It's getting hard to keep things straight, to keep my thoughts coherent as words and memories slip away. Even in my more lucid moments, I struggle to hold on to the last frays of shreds, of frayed shreds of myself. The changes are happening faster now. My, aware, my awareness dissolves almost by the minute. Pain courses through me like fire searing me, transforming me, unmaking me. I know as I look to the sun, a bright white blur behind thick yellow clouds, that I am running out of time, or perhaps just running away from it. The man who raised me died three days ago. Our cook's prized Japanese steak knife sunk hilt deep through his left eye, stabbing into the mind that got us here. I probably should have burned his corpse with the others, but instead I I buried him beneath his precious corn. His body must already be moldering and bloating, perhaps already as green and purple as the bruises on my legs. When the sky darkens, when the moon is black and hidden, he will rise, as have his allies and his enemies, as I have, and when he does, I will kill him again. That's all I'm going to read, but you tell me, you have any choice but to read the rest of that. 
entire story. I mean, like right now, you, it leaves you no choice. No, thank you. You know, I remembered something while you were writing it. There was something else that went into that was that like um, it actually was seeded from two poems. Um, one of them was in the last uh, Wicked, Wicked Weird. I think it was Wicked Weird, the last, and I did a poem in that, Wicked and that sick. was called Harvest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I think it was Wicked Sick. Um, no, wait, I wasn't in Wicked Sick. Was Wicked before. Creatures. No, it wasn't it was before that. Wicked Women. Yeah, it was. It was Wicked Creatures. Okay. Um, so yeah, there was a poem that was in that, and then there was another poem I had. And sometimes my poems, like, they just seem like stories to me. Um, I've done mm -hmm. that a couple times um, where I've written a poem and then I'm like, there's actually a story in here and I kind of want to flesh it out. So, um, yeah, that story was also seeded by two poems and some other things that were rattling around in my brain. So, yeah, I did nice. forget about that earlier when you were asking. Nice. I mean, so it's funny, you know, I used to be, I did used to be in a band and I did used to write all the lyrics and I, every single song was a mini story. So, and that was at the point where I was writing stories and books and stuff as well. And there's a, you know, it has been a while since I've done music, but it was like, okay, this is going to be a song. This idea is going to be a song. This idea is going to be a short story. This idea is going to be maybe a something longer, but yeah, I always thought of songs that way. I yeah, always, and, you know, I, yeah, it's not I like about me trying to get across an emotion like some like many songwriters are like oh i'm gonna you know talk about this experience all these other people are going to be able to jive with because it's such a shared thing that we can all like oh getting dumped or all oh, this or what it no not for me i'm like no i want to tell a story about a haunted wishing well and i'm gonna just tell i'm gonna write that <laughs> and that'll be a song like that's what i want to do so I don't know. my favorite songs are story songs um i think that's one thing that i Same. love about um like the white stripes they had all these little kind of like story vignettes in their in their music um neat yeah, yeah i yeah i love that stuff so okay let's get let's get into music just before we go um because we always try to you know reel things back around to something retro so if you if you are into heavy metal and you've always been into heavy metal and all this stuff like what uh what are some some classic vintage bands that you uh you loved when you were growing up that kind of helped shape your um, love for whatever genre it's kind of funny i guess it depends on like how far back you want me to go with this because nope. like my just keep going, going way back to like where i first got corrupted honestly i can blame um prince purple rain because like i saw uh wendy melvoin playing guitar and i thought that was the coolest thing ever so i begged wow. my parents to get me a guitar which led me down to the path of like discovering that i have no actual musical talent but <laughs> Uh, Joan Jett was like an early, early, early influence. Remember the Columbia House, like you take the penny to the postcard and yeah, yeah, I did all that. And then, um, so I ended up getting guitar lessons and it turned out that like my first guitar teacher was an old Aerosmith, uh, roadie. So then he gets oh, cool. me into like, you know, all these old like guitar rock bands like Aerosmith and Van Halen and whatnot. And, um, then I'm going through my awkward phase and I discovered like, I just, my taste just kept getting heavier and heavier. Then it was like. I started getting into like, you know, Cinderella and all the hair metal bands. And mm -hmm. then just like from there, it was like Metallica, Megadeth, Wasp, and I've just kept going. Um, but I also like, I don't only listen to heavy metal. Like, you know, I've also, you know, I love me some pop silly stuff. Like I was, I was and still am a huge Duran Duran fan. Um, I actually mm. saw them last month with my cousins in Canada. Oh, cool. Um, you know, I was big into like 
Prince and Madonna and Heart and you know all that stuff too. And I love classic rock. Um, yeah, I've got a same. bit of a hippie flair. Like I love like the Doors and Floyd and all that kind of stuff too. So, yeah. But um, as far as metal, um, I think some of the earliest ones that I really loved were um, Peace Cells was an early one for oh, me. Yeah. Um, some Wasp stuff, Queensrÿche. Warrior mm -hmm. Soul, um, Anthrax, uh, Suicidal Tendencies was one of my early favorite bands. Um, what were, what were then, some, uh, like, what was the first concert you got to go to that was was a heavy metal concert back in the day? I think it was David Lee Roth with oh, um, nice. Damn Yankees, actually, back when, yeah, when, during, oh, the, so that was during the first, yeah, the first Iraq war, like, I remember, because, like, Ted Nugent, before he, like, kind of revealed himself as <laughs> ever, um, yeah. back when it was like, yep. oh, my God, he hunts with, yeah, he, like, shot, like, an arrow into, like, a Saddam Hussein thing, yeah, this, that's pretty retro right there, mm -hmm. um, and if it wasn't that one, it may have been Aerosmith. I think I can't remember which one I saw first. It was either Aerosmith or David Lee Roth. I think it was the same year. Nice. Actually, you know what? No, it was David Lee Roth. That was the first one. Yankee Rose. So my first, my first concert was, um, it was Def Leppard and Ugly Kid Joe. And that was, it was between, I think it was like probably 90, one or so but it was before adrenalize came out it was um or it was no it was no it was after adrenalize came out that's right because they had not replaced steve clark who had died and uh they did one tour without without him because i think steve clark is on adrenalize but that's right so it was after adrenalize but he had died and they hadn't replaced him yet. So they were a four piece and it was the only time they ever were a four piece. Um, but uh, they ended up replacing him with Vivian Campbell, but he hadn't joined yet. Um, so it was, it was them and an ugly kid, Joe. And I loved ugly kid, Joe. I loved as ugly as they want to be. That album was so loved everything about them. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did love everything about them. It's um, funny that you uh, was a great band. It's funny that you mentioned Def Leppard because Pyromania was another like early formulative album for me. Um, oh my god! Yeah. My mom was Canadian and I grew up in Maine. We used to always go back to Canada in fall for the Canadian Thanksgiving, which was right around October. And I had my little Walkman and I had my Columbia House like copy of Pyromania. And for whatever reason, like that tape became synonymous with like driving through the woods in fall. And to this day, it's like my fall soundtrack. Like leaves start changing, and I'm like pyromania. Um, yeah, love it. Like I make Emma listen to it. I think I made Emma listen to it on the way back to Mer on the way to Merrimack. I, I don't know if I did this year, but like yeah, just <laughs> that that something about that tape and driving around the main woods when it, it's fall is just like I don't know. Well, I mean, she's English. She she's probably. I mean, doesn't doesn't she sound like they sound? They're from, they're from like Sheffield or something. I think, I think she has a very similar accent. Yeah, I don't, I don't probably know. from their hometown. I don't know, um, or she Yorkshire or something. Um, anyway, that's cool. That's funny. I love Pyromania. Pyromania is my favorite. High and Dry it's and Pyromania. It's so good. Just yeah. so good. I mean, they did get poppy um, with you know. Yeah. 
you know, Hysteria and then Adrenalize. Both both albums I love too. I don't care that they got poppy, but man, their their first couple. I mean, the first one on through the night is like an okay album. Yeah. They had to start somewhere. I mean, they were literally like 15 when they made that. Yeah. They were so young. And uh, but high and dry is completely solid classic goodness and then and and pyromania is even better those two albums are freaking amazing absolutely um, that's why i i hated when people would dismiss them as hair metal and i'm like you know they they kind of did become that but um that was just the machine you know i mean that happened to so many people but they started out and they were legit absolutely yeah. legit classic classic rock classic metal um, and I love a lot of that stuff. There's a lot of a lot of those bands were really good, like Tesla, for instance. Like they were lumped yeah. in with hair, hair metal, and they're just they're just a really solid rock band. Rock band, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yep. And uh, my second my second concert was Van Halen. Uh, it was with with uh, it was Van Hagar. It was at I think it was the Balance Tour, and um, I saw them with Skid Row, and that was right before Sebastian Bach left. So I did oh, get man, to that see Sebastian Bach. It was, and that, yeah, that was that Slave was, to the Grinds. Uh, yeah, or I mean, they played Slave to the Grind. No, it was it was actually they were they were promoting uh, Subhuman Race. Okay. So that was that was the last album that they did with with Bach, but it's not the best album, that's for sure. I mean, the first two are both amazing. That one's just okay, but. Slave to the Grind is the best one. I mean, come on. That's just yeah, that's that's a masterpiece, definitely. And it does. It's one of those ones that just doesn't age. Like, pop it in now. It's still like, damn, it's still a banger. Abs Absolutely. And I did get to see him uh, a couple years ago. Uh, literally, I think it was two years ago. I saw him, and he did the entire album. And it was just he was he was doing because you know all these all these bands are touring, doing the entire front to back album of whatever their popular album was. I mean, Megadeth did that. They did Rust in Peace, and I think they went back and did Peace Cells or something. I know they did. I know they did Rust in Peace and Countdown. I don't know if they. I don't know if they did Peace Cells. But anyway, I saw Sebastian Bach, and he was doing all, front to back all of Slave to the Grind. It was freaking amazing. And uh, my favorite song has always been um, uh, "Living on a Chain Gang." And when when we got there. He's like, oh boy, this is the song where I get to scream my nuts off the whole time. Uh, let's see <laughs> if I can do this. And uh, he did, man. Like he just still did. I mean, you could tell it was hard for him to do it, but man, he did it. He sounded good. He was great. Um, I have to, I have to laugh because, like, now when I think of Sebastian Bach, like, I, I almost wish I hadn't seen it, but that episode he was on of uh, Trailer Park Boys. Where he's okay. like, does everybody like trains? And it's like, now that's like the first thing that pops into my head. Like, unfortunately, like, and then, oh yes, like, but. Was he just, a, is, is he just a nerd about like model trains? Oh, it's hilarious. Like you, you should, if you haven't seen it, like you definitely have to look up that. He's just, he's just being him, but like ramped up to a hundred. And it's just like, if you have that nostalgia feel, you just, you're just going to kind of giggle at it a little bit. Like. Uh, so, so he just became too uncool for you in that moment. Is that what the problem is? No, it's just like that. That's like the first thing that I think of. Like, just does everybody like trains? Like, whoa! And then yeah. for me, for for a while, because he was on Gilmore Girls, and uh, my wife loved loved Gilmore Girls, and I watched it with her back in the day. And we always used to be like, 
he, there's this, he was on that show and he played a character's name was Gil. And it was just really funny. His, his like intro episode, he goes, he basically shows up and he's like this washed up guitar player who, who tries out to be like in a teenager's band. And he's like a full grown guy. And he just goes back and, and he gets the job, you know, cause he's Sebastian Bach. I mean, he's not playing Sebastian Bach, but um, he looks like Sebastian Bach and he just shows up and, and they're like, um, who are you? Like the, the whole triads was over. It was a big bust. Nobody showed up. They were all bummed. And then Sebastian Bach walks in the garage or whatever. And they're like, uh, can we help you? He's like, yeah, I'm here for the tryouts. And they're like, uh, what? Who, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm Gil. And like, so oh for God. years, we, just, we were just always like, oh, I'm Gil. <laughs> oh, it cracks me up. It's Gil. It's 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 interesting like his speaking voice does not sound like what you would think he, he would sound like based on his singing voice right um yeah but what a voice like what yeah what a voice he he has <clears throat> he has one of the great metal voices for sure just an incredible incredible voice and whether or not he's a big fat diva i don't care because you know he's uh he's always 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 been good to the fans and yeah. uh and uh he's he's a a great a great vocalist so um yeah that was really really fun but yeah i mean like you know thinking back to those days i think i think for me it was def leppard was my gateway drug and then that led to things like um like black sabbath and um uh like i mean i mean i mean van halen was in there too i really loved that album that uh that right now was on uh for unlawful carnal knowledge i still love that album so much that was like one of the first cds i think i i bought and then like you know when i got to megadeth then it was like okay things started to get heavier and heavier from yeah there, but, um i was like way into megadeth in high school oh my god that's like all i all i cared about in high school um euthanasia came out when i was a senior and uh, in high school and i loved that freaking album so much I still think yeah, it's got. Peace, peace cells was one of my early, uh, early game. I mean, drugs. peace cells is peace cells is amazing. You know, it's a great album, great album. And I mean, Mustaine's another one. You know, he's he's just you know he's <laughs> you gotta love the music, not the musician. Sometimes I mean, <laughs> what to say? It's Truth. Kind of <laughs> but uh. But he's not quite—he's not quite as bad as uh, Nugent, I don't think. But he's—he's—he's uh, he's, he's around there. Um, although, did you see they got—they got back together with uh, Marty Friedman for a show in Japan? Did you hear no, about that? No, I didn't. I didn't see yeah, that. Cause, yeah, because yeah, because Marty Friedman um, live has lived out in Japan for like twenty-five years, and they were doing this big show at the uh, the Otacon, and I think I think it's. No, I've no, I'm screwing up the name. No, the Otacon is not the name. It's something like that. Some big venue that's like a big deal out there, and they were going to be playing it anyway. And it's like ten minutes from Marty's house, and somebody, I don't know, some somebody reached out and was like, "Hey, do you want to do you want to come on stage?" And and so he uh, he did. He played he played a few songs with them on stage, and uh, it was it was really cool. It was really really cool. They uh, they <clears throat> you could you could basically pay-per-view it you know not actually on pay-per-view but no stream it sign up for it and uh and we it was we watched it it was it was such a fun concert 
Um, and then that sort of boosted Marty to do some world touring with his band. And we actually got to see him um, and Queensryche um, uh, earlier in the year. Uh, that was really, really cool. Queensryche was one of the best. Um, uh, yeah, here's, I guess, to segue into another funny story. Queensryche was one of um, the best concerts to this day that I've seen. I saw them on Operation Mind Crime with Warrior Soul. And here's a funny, like, kind of writer, writerish story. Um, so they played, um, I, I lived in Maine at the time, and I live here again now. They played, um, the show was in Bangor on holiday, Halloween night. So at the time, Stephen King was, he was big, but he wasn't as big as he was now. He wasn't like, you know, getting mobbed every time he walked out of his house or whatnot. So he had been, um, I'd he we'd heard that like, um, me and my friend went, we'd heard that he was doing like a haunted house type of thing for the neighborhood kids. And we're like, okay, that sounds cool. We're going to Bangor. Let's drive by and, you know, see if we can check it out. So we drive up to the house and I was driving like my first car was this little Smurf blue Chevette. And unfortunately the thing had this, um, had this thing where it would backfire when you turned it off. Like you would turn it off and it would sound like there was a shotgun going off and it was just, wasn't a gun. It was actually, Oh, you had car. the uncle Buck car. Literally. Yeah. It'd be like, so we're sitting in his, like, you know, we're kind of stoned and we're sitting in his, we drove up into the driveway and we weren't trying to be creepy. We were literally like, are there signs for where this thing is? Like, where do we go? And like, and then like, the, I turned off the car and somebody ran out on the porch and we're just like, ah, and we left. Cause so there's that, like, you know, that's my, <laughs> and I had not been back to the house. I'm still kind of embarrassed. Cause I was like. We said we weren't trying to be like stalkerish. We thought so that, that was there Stephen was a... King's house. Yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know by any strange chance he ever watches this. Sorry, uh, but yeah. Um, so anyway, hadn't been back until um, last week. Actually, um, me and Peter and Emma did a, a little thing at Orono for the public library up there, and. Um, you know, Pete drove us up, so he like swung us by on the way back for a, a picture. So that was my return. Very cool. Um, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. I've been to Bangor oh. once. I have seen the house. Um, yeah, I did not run up the driveway, um, but I did see the driveway. So you so win. It's still a cool house. Yeah, but um, oh yeah, to to rewind. Um, yeah, that night, Queensrÿche and Warrior Soul was amazing. Like just absolutely. Amazing show. I mean, you and saw Halloween. Queensryche on Halloween. You saw the actual Operation Mind Crime tour in their heyday yep. with with Jeff Tate on Halloween. Like what? Warrior Soul, <laughs> which was another retro band that I loved. Um, so I don't know them. Um, oh, um, they up? have, yeah, they've got kind of a more. They're metal, but they're more in the China, I guess now you'd maybe call them like goth metal kind of. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, definitely check them out. Um, they have this one song, The Losers, which is absolutely, it's it's a slower song, but it's just hits you in the heart, man. Um, but yeah, they've got their first, I'd say three. Um, Drug Scott and the New Republic was really good. Um, shit, I'm forgetting what the name of the other one was. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, definitely check them out. I will. Warrior Soul. Good stuff. Um, Morgan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Before we get out of here, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? If you have a 
podcasts or social medias or anything like that you want to shout out now is the time before i let you out of the brig um i'm in purgatory no, but um online uh you can follow me on um facebook um i've got my own website that's uh morgansylvia.com you can follow my Am amazon page which is under morgan sylvia um pretty much all my all my social media is tagged under morgan sylvia so if you just google morgan sylvia you'll find me on twitter and instagram and on blue sky now um i i do more on facebook i guess because i'm just I'm old school. I'm tired of moving from this site to that site. Like I moved from LiveJournal to MySpace and then from MySpace to Facebook. And I'm like, I'm on Blue Sky, but I'm just, I'm mostly on Facebook. But um, yeah, I've got a website and uh, yeah. Girl, same. And uh, all all those links are going to be in the show notes too. So you guys can just uh, just click on those and scroll down and clicky the, clicky the linky and uh, go check out Morgan. And uh, please also, one of those links is definitely going to be to Thunderstorm Books and uh, check out Carrion Harvest and all the other great books we mentioned. Uh, they'll all be listed down in the show notes. So check those out. Great stuff. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. This went by really fast. Like, I can't believe we Yeah, I know. So it's been time. an hour and a half already. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. It's awesome. It was really fun. Um, so I'm going to get us out of here. Uh, that wraps up the episode guys so if you haven't jumped ship by now we certainly hope you've enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome if you like what you've heard please hit that little subscribe button and like us on facebook as well as being part of the inebriard podcast network retro Redoctopus is a full-fledged member of the dorkening podcast network so if you get a chance please check out our sister shows like epic tales from the sewers with justin cooper who's going to be our new permanent third host in season six so don't miss that throw it on thursday with patsy and ashes splash pages bear at night nerds of unusual origin lots of good shows on the dorkening over 30 so you're bound to find something you're you're going to be into so visit thedorkening.com and be sure to check out our killer sponsors, Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. I've been your host, Parasite Steve, and it is indeed a sad thing that your adventures have ended here. But before we get out of here, let me just hit this button. You let you out of the brig there, Morgan. So go ahead. Go be free. Okay. Go be free okay. and re rejoin the wild, the, the wild wind, the wind scorpions and frolic with, frolic with the camel spiders all you want. All right. Thank you so much for having me. For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.